Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you wanna mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you wanna jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Welcome to Bengals Chalk Talk. I am Matt Minnick. Thank you for joining me today. Well, throughout the draft season, I had some fantastic guests talking about prospects. And obviously, I talked Joe Burrow with just about everybody. But uh, almost all of the Bengals draftees were brought up at one time or another. So, Today we're going to do a little bit of a clip show. Uh, we're going to take you back through, uh, and, and it'll be a pretty quick podcast, but we're going to be, be focused on five of the, the six non-Borough picks. Uh, Matt Valdovinos from Blue Chip Scouting uh, actually mentioned Hakeem Adeniji uh, as somebody that he doesn't think enough people are talking about, uh, and you know definitely saw... Him as a, a, a high prospect and you know a guy with a lot of potential, uh, so we'll uh, we'll go back and visit my conversation with Matt uh, Nick Faribault from Pro Football Network. When I talked to him, actually, the first three linebackers we talked about in a row were Akeem Davis Gaither, Logan Wilson, uh, and and Marcus Bailey. Uh, so we'll uh, play that conversation for you as well. Uh, but where we're going to start off with is with Greg Cassell from the NFL Matchup Show. Uh, and we talked about wide receivers, uh, and he had some great things to say about T. Higgins. So uh, let's have a listen. Well, another person that uh, has been compared to A.J. Green in the past, actually, uh, is Clemson's T. Higgins. Now, his testing did not support that, and you know there were rumors that he could be slipping uh, because of, of his uh, pro-day yeah. performance. Um, how important do you think that is compared to what you saw on film? And do you think he has what it takes to be a top flight receiver in the NFL? Well, I like this tape a lot. I, you know, I saw the pro day numbers and obviously that will scare some people. And because of unfortunately what we're going through now as a country, there's no way to really, uh, you know, get a better feel for him. If you're a team, you can't go talk to him. You, you know, you can't do the kinds of things you normally do. Um, but I think when you watch his tape, I think there's some movement enhanced similarities to Michael Thomas when he came out of Ohio State. Now, people look at Michael Thomas now and say, wow, he's great, but he was a second-round pick. It's not as if people talked about Michael Thomas as a top-ten pick in the draft. Uh, Higgins' tape is, is very impressive, and he was effective working both outside the numbers with back shoulder and contested vertical catches and between the numbers with his big body and wide catch radius and strong hands. So... I think you can line him up outside. I think you can line him up inside. As I said, his tape was way better than his testing. So now you have to decide what that means. Now, keep in mind, he ran a 4.58. If you go back and look at a Michael Thomas or a DeAndre Hopkins, they ran about the same time. So the 4.58 in and of itself doesn't mean anything. I think people were more bothered by his 10-yard split, which was very poor. Yeah, and I think it's a positive too when you when you look at it. I mean, this is this is Clemson we're talking about. Uh, you know, he's he's seen Ohio State uh, and those DBs. He's seen LSU and those DBs. Yeah. So he's you've got film of him against top level talent, against you know defensive backs that are going around one of the drafts. So uh, I think it makes you feel a little better about some of that stuff. Or you know, as opposed to somebody from a smaller school or hasn't seen that competition. Um, you know, I, I really feel like those numbers are 
the, the testing numbers to me are, are more important in adjusting to level of competition than anything. Yeah, and then, you know, you make a good point. You have to decide what those numbers really mean. You know, 40-yard dash times, look, obviously if a guy is Henry Ruggs and he runs a 428, of course we knew he was fast. You know, it's just a quick story. My first year at the Combine, I think, was 1998. And, you know, I was trying to meet people, and it was a different Combine because it wasn't a big media event then. And I remember, I think it was my first day there, I'm just trying to meet people and kind of hang around and, you know, be a pain in the ass, so to speak. And I'm sitting with a bunch of scouts, and an old-time scout, the guy was probably 65 at the time, uh, he was from the South and he says, he says to me, he turns to me cause he didn't really know me. I'm just sitting there trying to listen to people. And he says, you know what the 40 yard dash means, son? He said, the 40 yard dash tells you that fast guys run fast and slow guys run slow, you know? And I never forgot that because, you know, guys like Henry Ruggs, it doesn't matter what he runs. We know he's fast. You know, we didn't, we knew T Higgins isn't going to run a four, four, because you can tell that from watching the tape. So what's the difference between a four, five, four and a four, five, eight, is that going to change your view of the player on tape? To me, it shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I was a little thrown off by his, uh, his vertical, uh, just with all the contested catches and how you see him going up on film, um, that, you know, that I was expecting him to, him to you know, jump out of the roof. But, uh, again, when you're seeing him make those plays on film, how much does it really matter if he's not jumping that high in the gym? No. I mean, the tape, I think the tape tells you a lot. Then, obviously, you have to extrapolate. As, as scouts and coaches have to do, you have to say, well, can he do that in the NFL? I think he can. I think his size helps him tremendously. Size is a trait. Matt Valdivinos is – Going to talk to us a little bit about Akeem Adeniji. Yes. I think I got that one. Someone who I'm a huge fan of, and I wish more people talked about him. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be ready to play guard year one in the NFL. Uh, he's too light, and he got, I think he's, he, he was like 300 was his playing weight right around there for the majority of the season. Um, I'm not sure what he weighed in at the combine, but I could pull it up real quick. But he's, his hands, yeah, he weighed in at 302 pounds at the combine. You're going to want that if you're going to have him at guard. You're going to want that to be up to like the 310 minimum, probably closer to 320 by the time he's had his actual playing weight. Um, but his hands, he's a four-year starter at Kansas. He's one of the most decorated players in like Big 12 football history. It just happened that he played at Kansas, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> he's His hands are real active. He's got excellent feet. He's got very, he's got high awareness. He's great football acumen. He's a really, really good football player. Um, he was very consistent on tape. The only major, major issue is that his anchor is not great. Now, in the Big 12, you can get away with that playing left tackle and having a bad anchor because you're playing against 230-pound defensive ends half the time. Moving to guard in the NFL, it'll absolutely – they'll feast on you, right? We, If he gets drafted to a team like the Bengals and they're playing the Steelers week one and you've got Cameron Hayward in front of you, what are you going to do? So That's a problem. Yeah, that's where the issue comes from. Now – I do think that if he's if he sits, learns year two, you can start to plug him and play him. He's athletic, so he can play in that that wide zone scheme, get him into space, have him pull. That works, and then he'll also have built himself up to be able to anchor better. Practicing against guys like Geno Atkins can only help. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really really good as well for him. I really really like him. My only concern is that how high can you take a player who was a senior in college, right? So he's already old. It's not like he's not. It's not like he's raw. It's just that he's underdeveloped 
from a size perspective because he was never asked to put on weight in college because he never had to. So how high can you value a player like that? I would take him relatively early. I would be more than willing to spend a fourth round pick on him if I felt comfortable that after a year, I know that I could develop him. I could help him add weight. I could help him add some muscle and that he'll be ready to go after one year. Cause I think he can be a high quality starter. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I think you see, uh, like you say, in the zone game, he, he, he has some great, uh, you know, reach blocks on film. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's really smart in pass protection. Um, you, you can see, I think a lot of guys will a lot of guys kick step and they got a good kick step, uh, but then they have trouble with the with the post when when the guy tries to go to the inside move. And I felt like he was good at transitioning kick step to post and being able to, to adjust to those sort of moves. Nick Farabaugh from Pro Football Network. Now again we talk about versatility and as we move more into the off the ball linebacker position, there are some guys there who who have shown some versatility. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither for one. Uh, now, truly, the position he played at Appalachian State was edge, and you see him rushing the quarterback. Um, you know, you, you see him lining up on the edge, uh, out on receivers as well. But based on his size, you know, he's not truly an edge rusher in the, the NFL level, and, and probably more of an off the ball type of guy. Uh, what do you think of Davis Gaither? Do you, do you think that versatility gives him some advantage? And, and how do you see him uh, transitioning to inside linebacker? Yeah, he's such a weird evaluation. Um, rock solid, great instincts. He's a good tackler. He disengages well. He's a good, obviously great in coverage. I mean, he's made some great plays in coverage, both in zone and man. Um, when you look at the, him, he's a typical Will linebacker uh, in a 4-3. Ideally, that's where he is. If he has to go to a 3-4, he's probably going to play the Mac. Um, but that is something when you look at Akeem Davis-Gaither that you say, where am I going to play this guy? Because even when you play him at the will, yes, he showed he could cover the guys man-to-man. You don't ideally want him in that role. Uh, so it's a little bit of a muddy projection for me with Davis-Gaither. He's very, very good. And a rock-solid player in my top 50 prospects. With him, it's just... He's a weird projection because he's kind of a tweener. He's not an edge. He's a little slight to be a linebacker. He's not a safety. So so you're wondering where do you put this guy? I think obviously off-ball linebacker is the place he's going to play, but you got to use him in very strategic ways because it could get really rocky for him if he doesn't find the right fit and is not coached the correct way. Yeah, and, and you talk about the will. I mean, you know, really in the, in the 4-3 system, that's a guy who's – either bumping inside or coming off the field when you get into your substitution packages. So you kind of have to wonder about the overall value unless you can find other roles for him. Um, I think, you know, definitely is a situational pass rusher coming from space because he has shown that, that acclimate, but you know, you don't, you don't want the 350 pound offensive tackle to, to know that guy's coming. Um, now you talk about a weird evaluation to me watching him like, there, there are plays where it's just, how did they not block him on that? Uh, so, I don't know. He's like a running back, you know, like he's slippery. He just kind of oh, yeah. just kind of shoots out the other side sometimes. But um, now on the other side of the versatility, uh, we look at Logan Wilson, uh, who much like uh, Jermaine Pratt, who, who the Bengals drafted last year, started uh, his career as a defensive back. Um you know, so he, he does show some skills uh, in coverage, but really the strength of his game is, is tackling, you know, excellent tackler. Um, 
know, up there at Wyoming. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wilson? I like Logan Wilson. I think he's he might not be a great athlete or an elite athlete, but he's a really solid athlete. And the guy, there's a reason why he was so productive at Wyoming. It's just because he sees the field so well. He reads his keys as a linebacker so easily and so well. And he flies to the football. He's got really good closing speed, I think. And when you look at him, what's kind of the main issue with him? It's 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 probably in man coverage. You don't want to trust him covering a guy man-to-man. He's a little stiff in the hips. So you don't want to want to put him there in that position. So then you ask, okay, where am I going to put Logan Wilson? I can put him at the mic probably. I could even see him being a Sam. Um, there's, I'm not putting him at the will for obvious reasons. Um, but this is a guy that brings a lot to the table, a smart linebacker. He's not a throwback because I think he's athletic enough to be a starter in this league. He's not, you know, like he's not running like a four eight forty. This is not athletically deficient at all. But I, I think when you look at a guy like Logan Wilson, you say, okay, he's a day two value. It's just I got to find where to put him because if I don't get him into good coverage situations, he's obviously going to become a mismatch over the middle of the field. So instead, I want him buzzing underneath. I want him being a zone guy primarily, not man-to-man. So as we talk about guys that are good in pass coverage, uh, one name that sticks out is Marcus Bailey from Purdue. Um, now, he like he looks great in pass protection, or to me, pass coverage. Um, really, you know, he, he's got a knack for reading the quarterback uh, in zone, making a break on, on balls, and uh, as, you know, my – my, my trade is really coaching defensive backs. Uh, and I get really annoyed watching defensive backs, watching linebackers, seeing them in coverage and seeing them make a bunch of tackles. I want to see guys that are making plays on the ball. And, and that's what Marcus Bailey's doing. Like he's getting there, you know, before, before the catch is made. Uh, big injury concerns with Bailey. Um, only played two games this year, but, but a season ago, you know, he played the whole year and, uh, and was very productive. Uh, what uh, What are your thoughts on Bailey? It's kind of all the injuries. It's it's how does he stack up after those injuries? Because sometimes I think he was a solid athlete on film, but sometimes after those injuries, he's got two ACL tears uh, that can sap some of the athleticism. So if he has that athleticism sapped, that lowers his coverage ceiling uh, to a degree. So you look at him, I think he has good range. I remember there was a play against Ohio State when I was watching him. He came, shot the gap blitzing on the A-gap, turned around, ran all the way to the sideline and tackled, and tackled J.K. Dolphins. That was a great play. Um, and he can make plays like that consistently. He's such a physical player, but an instinctual, rangy, and overall just a fluid athlete. He's, he's such a modern linebacker. I think he fits perfectly into the league. I think you can keep this guy on the field in all three downs. He's not going to be a liability in too many situations as long as that athleticism holds up after the knee injuries. And Marcus Bailey is a guy that should be in the day two conversation, but he's not getting that hype at all right now. Just a really solid linebacker who, if he was healthy, would probably be viewed a lot higher. Yeah, to me, to me, it's, it's Isaiah Simmons, obviously. And then Patrick Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are their own little cluster, and, and I think Marcus Bailey, uh, along with Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson, um, you know, I'd throw Willie Gay in there uh, as well. 
um, Malik Harrison from Ohio State, Jordan Brooks. Like those guys to me are all guys that I think have potential and should be like third round picks. But who knows if all those guys are, are able to go there. But um, but yeah, I mean, to me, Bailey's at the top of that list for for his potential, what he is able to do. Interesting this year. You can't get the medicals. You can't have them, you know, in your site. You can't have them working out, private workouts, anything like that. Uh, a lot of pro days canceled. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I caught an interview with Zach Taylor, uh, where Taylor said something about he was talking about how this everything's different this year, and he said, "Yeah, just the other day, I was watching a player on YouTube. He was he was injured and missed almost the entire year, and he, he just put a video on YouTube of, of him working out, uh, and that was Marcus Bailey." Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind it was Marcus Bailey because that interview took place like a day or two after Bailey did that. Um, so that's what it's going to come down to this year with a lot of these guys is you're going to have to make judgment calls off of YouTube videos. You know? Yeah. Because uh, like you're saying, you know, like how good is that ACL? You're going to have to look at that, look at that clip on YouTube and, and make that decision and, and live with your choice. But I think with Bailey, there's a huge upside, and especially for the Bengals who they just brought in Josh Bynes, um, you know, that gives you the ability to use Bailey in coverage where he's really good, develop him with everything else, maybe ease him back, you know, uh, from, from injury and not put too much on him right away. But to, to use him uh, in those passing situations and, and be able to substitute, uh, you know, Bynes in when they, when they run a, a true run stuffer in there. Some great conversations with some really smart guys from before the draft on five guys who would eventually become Bengals. So always good to hear and, and good to hear that there are other people out there in the industry that are that are high on these guys as well. Uh, keep on coming back. We're going to have lots of great content for you, original content, not all clip shows uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, right now over on uh, Cincy Jungle, I'm putting out film rooms on all of the rookies. Uh, which feature uh, short clips from from Twitter uh, within the article. Uh, I also have videos uh, talking about all of the uh, the rookies. There's gonna be four videos. We we'll cover all seven guys, but we're gonna do it in in just four videos. Uh, and uh, I've got out right now part one and uh, two uh, of plays that uh, that Joe Burrow may be looking to bring with him to the Bengals. The Bengals ask him for his 10 favorite plays. Uh, so I went through the LSU offense and picked out my 10 favorite plays. And I'm going to break them down for you and talk a little bit about uh, their effectiveness and, you know, why I think they work with the Bengals and also a little bit of, you know, what Bengals that they fit really well with. Obviously they're going to fit really well with Joe Burrow, but uh, you know, some that are going to be great for getting uh, John Ross, the ball or Tyler Boyd, the ball or, uh, Joe mixing the ball in the air, you know, throwing Joe mixing the ball like we've all wanted to for, for quite a while. So, uh, so that's some good stuff in there. So make sure you check us out over on the YouTube channel and uh, keep on coming down, coming back here for the podcast as well. Good day. Yeah, we coming for with Yeah, we coming for with